Greetings, Internet listeners. This is Mr. Announcer with The Complacence Podcast. The Complacence originally aired from September 1995 to June 1996, live on WNUR-FM, Evanston, Illinois. This is the final episode of The Complacence, and it takes place in the future, being told in the popular flashback format. You will find out what happens to the characters you've come to know and love. Meanwhile, it's a major battle, some might even say a final battle, for the Major League Super Crime Busters. The next voice you hear is coming to you from June 1st, 1996. In just moments from now, you'll find out how it all turns out in the end. The final episode of The Complacence is coming up soon here on WNUR Freeform. Find out if it's the end of the tour for The Complacence. The final episode is coming up soon here on WNUR Freeform. The Complacence say goodbye to you in their final episode coming up shortly here on WNUR Freeform. The final episode of The Complacence, coming up after this brief musical interlude. And now, The Complacence, starring The Complacence. Thank you for agreeing to be interviewed, Mr. James. <clears throat> it's a real honor. Yeah, where'd you say you were from? CNN 8, the all-interview channel? No, no, I'm from U.S. Newsweek and Time Report. Oh, yeah? How's the merger going? I don't know. That was before my time. Uh, back in 29, wasn't it? I, I think so. 
Now, you kids today. So, you're here for my 60th anniversary. You are 60th anniversary? That's right. It was on this very day, way back in 1986, that my first maze appeared in print. Oh, that certainly is a coincidence. That was before you could just get all the mazes you just wanted to off the net, of course. Why, I remember having to drive 12, 10, 11 blocks to the drugstore to get a copy of Mazes Monthly. Actually, Mr. James, I'm not here to talk about mazes at all. You're not? No. Uh, then what else is there to talk about? Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the music writer for the magazine, actually. Oh, so you're here to talk about when I was whistling Fred James as opposed to maze-drawn Fred James. Actually, I'd like to ask you about the complacence. The complacence? Now, there's a name I haven't heard in years. You know, there's, there's been somewhat of a revival of interest in the complacence in the last few days. Oh, uh, is that right? Some people say they might have been the most influential band of all time. Oh, is that right? Not really in terms of musical influence, but in things like getting the Earth suddenly moved millions of light years away. Things like that. Oh, so you want to hear about how that came about? It was like this. Hey, everybody. Look at my new model rocket. Fig, that's not a model rocket. That's a model device for moving the Earth millions of light years away. Oh, really? So it's okay if I push this button? Hey, you just moved the Earth millions of light years away. I guess that wasn't a model after all. I don't think the device to move the Earth millions of light years away had been invented at that time. Uh, maybe I'm remembering that wrong. Things get a little hazy at but my But anyway, age. I've, I've got all the information I need about the early days of the complacence. The first tour, the midget tossing incident, your male manager giving birth, and pretty much everything about your trip into outer space and back. Well, and you've pretty much got everything. No, not really. I've barely even scratched the surface. For instance, I knew about your lead singer being inhabited by some kind of being from outer space after you got back from there. That's right, and I figured out how to get it out. Let's take him to the junkyard and use the dishwasher, I said. Uh, electromagnet. Uh, right. But then what happened to the complacence? You're all back to normal, although that last record ran into a few problems when it turned out you were all still alive. Right, everyone returned it to the stores. So I get plucked from the complacence and have my whistling career launched, but that's all right because I really didn't do that much in the complacence in the first place. While I'm starting on my whistling career, the complacence manager, Adrian Creamsicle, went cross-country to Hollywood and pitched them to the TV and movie studios. Uh, hold on a minute. I thought he already was in Hollywood. Uh, what gave you that idea? Uh, everything I've ever read said that Creamsicle Studios was located in, quote, the big city of California. That's right. California, New Jersey, right there on the shore near Cape May. Of course, it's not as big as Newark or even Atlantic City, but it's much bigger than Stone Harbor. Uh, I see. Anyway, do go on. Uh, Adrian Creamsicle pitched them to everyone. It's the story of a rock and roll band with a difference. There's one of them who's a real egomaniac, and the sensitive one, and, and the goofy one, and the one who, who doesn't do much of anything. So can we drop the fourth one from the project? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. He's pretty much out of the band anyway. And there's a manager, and he has a very sexy secretary. There's a blind roadie. Hold on there. Might be perceived as being a little insensitive. We'll make him a nearsighted roadie. And they have all kinds of problems. Supernatural beings, an evil rival band. They even get launched into space. I love it. I see Brad Pitt playing the band's manager. Oh, good idea. Because the manager is the best looking of all of them. How does $50 million sound? For a budget? For you. For bringing me a $50 billion idea. What should I make this out to? Adrian Creamsicle. A... Chauncey, what are you doing sitting in my chair? And what are you writing in my checkbook? Get out of here and go mop the floor in the hall. Sorry, Mr. Thompson. I'll go away now. Now, who are you? Ah, uh, 
Well, I'm Adrian Creamsicle, and I'm here to The say... one with the complacence pitch? Yeah, that's right. I've heard about your pitch, and you could just forget it. People want realism these days. They'll never believe a rock band getting into those kind of situations. Go try TV. Uh, it's, it's the sitcom about a rock and roll band with a difference. Um, sorry, but NBC stands for never be complacent. Sorry, but ABC stands for avoid being complacent. Sorry, but CBS stands for complacence. Beautiful suggestion. It does? That's great! I'm so But glad what a network's initial stand for has nothing to do with the types of programs we buy. And right now, we need game show. It is a game show. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's Name That Complacence Too, hosted by Johnny, Johnny Angelo. Now you've got my interest. Well, personally, I was hoping they'd bring back the money maze. And so what happened? Uh, name that Complacence tune went off the air after three weeks after they ran out of Complacence tunes. But didn't the Complacence movie eventually get made? Ah, that's right, and it bombed at the box office. There were a few problems in production. California. Shoot, I can't believe I'm stealing California. I told you already, Johnny, we're not rewriting the script to make it more like a Coppola movie. Can't we at least put the head of some animal in bed with me? I'm not used to sleeping alone. Quite on set. And how come Terrence gets to direct? Because he's the sensitive one, that's why. And film is sensitive. To light. That's why I have to stand in that dark closet watching it during all those scenes I'm not in. I said quiet on the set and stop calling me Terrence. Now, Fig, you're going to come in and bring Johnny breakfast in bed, but you're going to spill the hot coffee on it. Hey, nobody said nothing about that. It's not really hot coffee. It's a special filmmaking substance that looks more like hot coffee than hot coffee does on film. But it's not hot, it's only lukewarm. All right, then. Uh, didn't Fig have that pencil sticking out of his other ear in scene 21A? He could have switched it between then and now. It's been five days. No, it hasn't. It's only been five hours. And I switched it because my left ear gets sticky. <laughs> no, it's been, it's been five days in the movie. This is going to be a really long movie, then. Okay, but don't say I didn't warn you. Quiet. Roll camera. Lights. Action. Ouch! My broken ankle really hurts. Oh, and my stomach. It's breakfast time. Fig, I'm hungry. Okay, Johnny. Here I come with your breakfast in bed. Fig, you just spilled that hot coffee all over my crotch. But doesn't that make you forget about your broken ankle? Cut, cut. We want this movie to be PG, not NC-17. Why aren't you wearing clothes machine? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sounds like a real winner there. Yeah, when the movie finally came out, the reviews were overwhelmingly negative. Hi, I'm Susan Granger from American Movie Classics. You may know me as the woman who's quoted in every single movie advertisement because I like every movie ever released. In my 28 years of movie reviewing, though, I've never seen a movie as bad as The Complacence, the movie. It's a perfect zero. Entertainment for nobody. The worst part were the glaring continuity errors, especially with regard to a pencil that's sticking out of a character's ear throughout the film, but a different ear in each scene. That was supposed to be artistic. Artistic! Well, well, maybe rock bands shouldn't make movies, that's all. How about a concert film? Yeah, we could do one in IMAX. Yeah, then I'd be huge! Johnny's huge! That's it! I've got it! Got what? 
Johnny Angelo's book of complacence comedy. We'll put his name first because he's the best known one. Known in the biblical sense. Well, yeah, but still... Uh... I've got one for your book, Johnny. I just flew in from Boston, and boy, is my airplane tired. No, see, Fig, it's boy, are my arms tired. When you say, I just flew in from Boston, it makes everyone think airplane right away. And anyway, a mechanical object can't be tired. Well, with Johnny's strict editing, the book ended up being a pamphlet. But what about your whistling career? How is that going? Well, the president of Flaming Harry Records, Agnew Arduros, was working very closely with me. Good, it's about time. I'm starved. Fred! What the hell are you doing? I'm just eating some crackers. Spit those crackers out right now! You know what kind of effect they have on your whistling? Yeah, but all I have to do is get a drink of water and my whistling will be right back to normal. Oh, will it? Are you 100% sure? We can't take that chance. Not with those million-dollar lips of yours. Oh, all right. Now, what are you doing? Uh, just drawing a maze. But, but that extracurricular whistling. Yeah. We don't want to wear out those ten million dollar lifts of yours. Uh, but I need to whistle while I draw mazes. That's how I concentrate. Then maybe you shouldn't be drawing mazes. Fine, I'll just sit here quietly without moving a muscle. That's the spirit. So I was riding and the rocket to whistling stardom while the complacents were getting ready to record their comeback album. But their rival band was making some trouble for them. Mr. James? Mr. James? Well, that's what happens when you try to interview these old people. You're listening to the last episode of The Complacents on WNUR. Last week on The Curtain, some serious crap happened. The major thing was that the sinister hood of evil villains attacked the fortress of the Major League Super Crime Busters, accompanied by a number of bizarro goons to whomp the heroes into all beef. In a bold, daring move, announcer man, fearful of bizarro announcer man, chanted a mystical incantation which made all the bizarro goons disappear in puffs of smoke. In order to turn the tide back to the side of the evil guys, their leader, the enigmatic Dr. Nightmare, had the all-powerful, all-bad Chet the Man-God transform some of the super crime-busters into dark versions of themselves. When we last saw the curtain and friends, the villains had them surrounded. Well, Lady Victory, it looks like we're surrounded. Yes, you're right. Incredible that those villains have managed to surround us at all 360 degrees. Who's their choreographer, anyway? Gee, Lady Victory, I couldn't tell you that, but it looks like they're doing a kick line now. Well, that's gonna turn into a kick-our-asses line if we don't come up with a plan. Announcer man, did you say your powers had returned? I did, and they have. Oh, well, then this should be easy. Surrender, Major League Super Crime Busters. As you can see, we have turned several of your members against you, and it is now the three of you versus all of us. Who do you think is going to win? Us! We hope. Okay, then this is our plan. Announcer man, you work on converting Dark Shammy, Dark Furry Kitten, Dark Quantum Mechanic, Dark Space Bird, and Dark Monkey Boy back to their non-dark persons. Curtain, you and I will take out Captain Kilo. How do we do that? Try hitting him in the nads with your curtain rod. Heads up, tidal wave. 
Courtesy of Dark Shammy. You'll be coping down mouthfuls of raw sewage before I'm through with you. Oh, well, it looks like there won't be time for strategy. Yeah! The curtain has popped me in the noodle. Let me make some adjustments on this parking meter. There. Now it is a hero-killing death machine. You don't need to make a death machine, Dark Quanti. I am Dark Spacebird. I can destroy well enough. Take this, Dark Quanti! Oof! So, announcer man, how about converting them back to good selves? I would, but I don't know that particular incantation. Well, that's Dark Shammy and Dark Quantum Mechanic down. Dark Spacebird is really angry, though, and Dark Furry Kitten and Dark Monkey Boy are foaming at the mouth. Say, Captain Killow and Dr. Nightmare went inside. What could they want in there? Maybe they are going to access our secret computer files. Hey, that's it! What, Curtain? Is that what they went inside to do? Well, no. Well, I don't know, but, but that's how we can put our heroes on our side again. One of my earlier battles with Swami Salami yielded a de-darting formula. I'm sure if it's in the computer somewhere, I'll go and synthesize it. Can you two cover me? We'll try. Godspeed, Curtain. And so Lady Victory and Announcer Man continue to do battle with their dark teammates as the Curtain sneaks into the fortress of the Major League Super Crime Busters through an open air vent. Let's see. I need to remember those getting to know you new Major League Super Crime Busters fortress manuals that we all got when we joined. Hmm. Right up ahead where the nail is sticking up. Down by the fortress's nuclear core. There you are, Dr. Nightmare. The nuclear core is almost armed to explode. Excellent. Where's Chet the Man God? I think he's taking a nap. Chet! Chet! Wake up! Who dares disturb the restful slumber of... Oh, hi, Dr. Nightmare. Up and at him, Chet. We'll need you to teleport us out of here before the big nuclear explosion. This fortress is gonna go sky high. Actually, Captain Killow, it's not going to go sky high at all. The blast should obliterate it completely rather than send it spiraling into the air. I was speaking figuratively. Dr. Nightmare, the device is armed. Excellent, malevolent woman. Dr. Nightmare! What is it, bloody murder? There's been a security breach in Air Vent 9G. We think it's the curtain. Funny. You'd think he would come in through a window. Can I go get him and kill him up? Well, I don't really see the point. I mean, we're going to blow him and everyone else to tiny particles in a few minutes. So why bother? What can he do before then? Well, nothing probably, but I think I can take him out. Uh, can I go with him? We'll be back in a jiffy. Oh, all right. But if you get blown up, don't come crying to me. Meanwhile, in the air vent... Finally, here it is. The emergency air vent computer terminal. Let's see. Looks like the machine can synthesize a ray gun that will make dark heroes good again. Oh, no! I'll have to go into the kitchen to, re to receive it, though. Suddenly, the outside of the air vent is riddled with gunfire. Unable to answer the riddle, the bulletproof metal deflects the bullets. Uh-oh! Somebody knows I'm here. At least they can't hurt me. Suddenly, a large dagger comes stabbing up into the duct, emerging between the curtain's legs, causing him to freak out in a comical fashion. The vent breaks open. The curtain has fallen to the floor. Ouch! And then he stands up. Out of my way, Captain Killo and Bloody Murder. If you know what's good for you. Low-fat foods and whole-grain oats are good for me, Curtain. 
High-heeled boots and silicone have always done me pretty well. So, you know it's good for you? Yes. Yes, we do. Then get out of my way! The curtain fights with an undescribable fury. With his curtain rod, he knocks Captain Killo on the noggin, and it's bloody murder in the nads. The battle escalates as Captain Killo draws his ninja sword and chops the curtain's curtain rod into several hundred key rings. Captain Killo, since when did you use ninja weapons? Oh, this is a gift from my grandmother. I was just carrying it around, you know. I haven't really actually taken lessons. Wow, you certainly have a high degree of natural skill. Now, eat some curtain bombs! Ah! The fizzing. I'm joking. Spit it out, you idiot! But they taste so good! Why don't you try one, bloody murder? No, thanks. Uh, I'm on a diet. You caught it. But how? It's a bit like... Did you like... catch it? Well, it's just a bit like catching a baseball, only easier. Now, you eat it! No, you eat it! No, you eat it! No, you eat it! Well, I'll just feed it to your feet. Hey, that makes the floor really slippery. Whoa! Suddenly, the curtain falls on his bottom with a resounding thud. In the moment when he is temporarily stunned, the villains strike with swift, decisive, cruel action. Forget this ninja sword. I'm going with what I know. Suddenly, Captain Killa whips out his machine gun and shoots the curtain's left hand. Arrgh! And there's more where that came from. Suddenly, Bloody Murder stabs the curtain through his right hand. Arrgh! Double arg! Well, that takes care of the curtain. Yeah, you won't be getting up for a while. No, not defeated. Not yet. You took out my rod and my bombs and my hands, but I still have my feet. Where are you? What are you babbling about? Boots! Curtain jet boots! Never could get them to work. Come on, let's get out of here before they set off the bomb. How did they work? Oh, yeah! Suddenly, rockets fire up the curtain's boots. Not on the bottom, like you'd expect, but ringed around the top. As a result, the curtain zips through the air feet first and hits Captain Killow and Bloody Murder very hard in the back of the head with each of his feet, causing some serious trauma. That's one for my hands, you bastards! I'd better wrap these wounds up with these shreds of my curtain before I bleed to death. Hey, here's Captain Killow's machine gun. Maybe I should tape it to my back. Back at the nuclear core. How odd. Captain Killow and Bloody Murder have not yet returned. Chet, do you know where they are? What am I, their parents? No, but you are a man-god. Oh, well, the curtain defeated them, and he's in the kitchen now. Malevolent woman, go find the curtain and stop him. Consider him stopped, Dr. Nightmare. Has the battle outside finished yet? Announcer man prolonged it by making everyone too hungry to fight. However, Dark Monkey Boy was carrying hostess snack treats and distributed them to the group. They defeated them shortly thereafter. You're coming down as we speak. Excellent. Prepare to transform Lady Victory and Announcer Man into Dark Lady Victory and Dark Announcer Man. Meanwhile, in the kitchen... Oh, damn it. When will that ray gun be ready? Ding! Oh, there it is. I wonder if it works. You stop right there, Curtis Hambones. What the? Who the? Benevolent girl? I'm not benevolent girl anymore. You wouldn't happen to be dark benevolent girl, would you? No, I've become malevolent woman. Oh, well, what's in a name anyway? The curtain fires the ray gun at malevolent woman. Ah! It's working! Sort of. Uh, curtain, is that you? It's me, 
You seem to be almost back to normal, except you're still a full-grown woman instead of a teenage girl. Well, yes, Chet the Man-God made me into a woman. Well, I'm not sure if I want to know how he did that. So, I guess I'm now a benevolent woman. So, you're friends with Chet the Man-God? He and I have a special bond, you could say. Why do you ask? Do you think you can use your benevolence to make him a forgiving man-god? Well, I can sure give it the old graduate school try. Then follow me! Downstairs? Dr. Nightmare! Malevolent woman is now benevolent woman! And she and the curtain are coming downstairs as we speak! You stay down here with the dark heroes and battle them. I have one more trump card to play. But the nuclear bomb is going to go off very soon. Don't you worry, Chet. My plan is foolproof. Suddenly, the curtain and benevolent woman burst into the room with unmitigated gall. Chet, will you be benevolent for me? Well, okay. For you, baby. And, and the rest of you, look over there. I'll be damned. We're not dark anymore. I feel good again. Oh no, look! The nuclear device is about to go off! Let's make a run for it! Meow, meow, meow! Kitchen is right! We would never run away far enough to escape the explosion in time! Oh, oh, I don't have time to build anything! I do not think my ability to destroy will come in handy now. I shall stop the explosion! I will use my own body as a conduit for the nuclear energy! It's almost at zero! Here I go! Geronimo! Amazing! The entire nuclear blast just jumped into Chet's body. But he's gonna blow up now. Not if I can help it. I will devour the energy. I eat stars. This should work. But you eat antimatter stars. Your antimatter particles will certainly collide with the pro-matter particles of the explosion. I can't let you do this. Said you had a choice in the matter. Suddenly, Spacebird jumps onto Chet the Man-God's writhing, pulsing, nuclearly charged body and begins to use her destroying power. Spacebird! Suddenly, there is an enormous explosion. Well, I guess not so enormous compared to the big nuclear explosion that could have happened. No! They're gone! Both of them! Destroyed! His matter met her antimatter and they exploded into nothing! No! Spacebird! They made the ultimate sacrifice, quantum mechanic. Here, let my benevolent powers ease your pain. Say, that does feel better. My benevolent girl, you look very womanly. Well, I am a woman now, after all. Hey, where did Nightmare go? Oh, no! I think I've got to go up there. Uh, do you need help, Curtis? No, this is personal. Upstairs? Let me go. Can you see I'm pregnant and engaged? That woman is exactly why I'm holding you hostage. Unhand her, villain! Curtis! Thank God! Stay back, Curtin, or I will eliminate her. I'm gonna do something bad to you, Nightmare. I'll tell you what. I'll let her go and fight you fair if you can draw a perfectly straight line on the ground. I see your hands have been severely crippled. Good luck. Oh, no. How can I... That's it! A ruler? No, that doesn't count. You can't change the rules now, Nightmare. Run, Debbie, run! But Curtis... Waddle, Debbie! Waddle! You won that round, but now I shall destroy you with my little Lord Fauntleray. Yeah? Well, I'll destroy you with Captain Killer's machine gun taped to my back. There's no gun taped to your back. Oh, no. It must have fallen off. I should have used something stronger than gauze tape. Hmm. Well, take this. 
Suddenly, the curtain blasts Dr. Nightmare with a de-darking ray gun. Oddly enough, Dr. Nightmare shrieks in pain <laughs> and melts into a quivering puddle on the floor. Wow. <laughs> wow. Nice move, Curtis. Thanks. I shot him with the ray gun because I thought it might blind him so I could run off, but I guess that he was made entirely out of the dark stuff, so the ray destroyed him. That's a good explanation, Curtis. One week later... Do you, Curtis Hambones, a.k.a. The Curtain, take Debbie Duncan, a.k.a. Minnie Blinds, to be your lawfully wedded wife? I do. <laughs> oh, I always cry at weddings. Well, I'm crying because this ceremony is doubling as Space Boy's funeral. And do you, Debbie Duncan, a.k.a. Minnie Blinds, take Curtis Hambones, a.k.a. The Curtain, to be your lawfully wedded husband? I do. I now pronounce you man and wife, 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 man and... Oh, I gotta go kick it again. Oh, Curtis. Oh, Debbie. Oh, boy. A long tradition of adventure and excitement closes its curtain for now. But hey, what's this? An epilogue? At a nearby employment office. Um, hmm. Snake charming. Sorcery. Diabolical manipulations. I'm sorry, Mr. Um, Salami. Um, Mr. Salami, I'm sorry, but these reference uh, won't mean anything to most companies. Now, this year, president of Nine Inch Wee Wee Records, how did that job terminate? I was sucked into an inescapable maze. Yeah, most companies won't like that. Uh, your chances are pretty slim, I'm afraid. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. What does it all mean? What do I care? I'm out of here. See you whenever when somebody who's not me says something funny. You're listening to The Complacence on 89.3 WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago's Sound Experiment. And so they had finally defeated Taekwondo once and for all. What, what was that? You mean you didn't hear that? Hear what? You've been asleep for half an hour, Mr. James. You mean I was just dreaming that I told you the most involved part of the story? The part where Johnny Angelo goes undercover and digs up the dirt on Taekwondo't, resulting in their music careers being shot straight to heck? Or am I thinking of a plot from the Jerry Seinfeld mysteries? The, the, the Jerry Seinfeld mysteries? I don't remember that show. I think it ran from 2008 to 2009 or something like that. All I remember, Taekwondo't broke up because of artistic differences. Uh, so the complacents had Taekwondo out of their hair for good and were getting ready to record their comeback album. I want this to be a real Back to Basics album. Sure thing, Terrence. Stop calling me Terrence. I'm not Terrence. I'm Gunner. I hear you loud and clear, Terrence. And I'm not Randolph. I'm Fig. I know that, Fig, because Fig's your real name. Gunner's real name is Terrence. Terrence Wexler. Just because I had to use my full name to get my Director's Guild card for the movie... Johnny, just call Terrence Gunner so we can get this album finished before the busy Columbus Day shopping season, okay? All our problems are solved. What, did you just find $50 million lying around? Better than that, Fred's here, and he said he wouldn't mind being a guest whistler on the new album. That's great! It really will be back to basics. Except a real basic complacence album wouldn't have any contributions by Fred. Fine, then. I'll just go home. No, Gunner didn't mean it, Fred. You know that. So I heard Whistling Fred James already went platinum. Yeah, it did. And nobody's returning the copies because it turned out you weren't dead? Uh, no, they all know I'm not dead. See, the problem is that we really don't have any songs ready for you to record on. Uh, I really don't have that much time. I have to get to an MTV Unplugged taping tonight. 
We'll just improvise something, and the rest of us will go back later and write a song around it. <coughs> so the Complacents released their comeback album, The Complacents Get Back, and it was another major flop. The single of 12-bar whistling blues did pretty well, but Flaming Highway Records' lawyers got it credited to me with The Complacents as my backup musicians, which meant I got all the royalties. And so soon afterwards, The Complacents were no more. Well, that's it. The new owner moves in tomorrow. This place looks so empty. So, you're going back to doing A&R for Flaming Highway Records? I don't work for Flaming Highway Records anymore. I quit to be the complacent full-time manager right before they went into outer space. I just never told anyone. So then, what are you gonna do? Don't worry about me. I'm just worried about you. Well, uh... I hear Fred hired you to read all his fan mail. That's not true. Well, not quite. That is going to be one of my duties as his personal secretary, but it's not the only one. I wonder why we haven't heard from Fred anyway. He's off touring Africa. I think he plays tonight in Rhodesia or the Belgian Congo. I have it marked on the globe I inherited from my grandmother. Speaking of Africa, are you going back there, Gunner? No, I have a temp job in Atlanta with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. I'm going to be fighting the Ebola virus. So does that mean we can call you Terrence now? Yep. Dr. Terrence Wexler. But how do you justify a job like that where you'll probably be experimenting on animals? I thought you were anti-vivisection. I used to be, but all my experiences in the music business have left me a bitter, bitter man. Speaking of animals, whatever happened to that gorilla who kept hanging around here? <sighs> you mean Priscilla? She left me for someone at the zoo. So she's in the primate house? No, she's living with the zookeeper. Well... I'll be going back to the only place I was ever truly happy. The farm? No, the arms of those girls from Lunchbox. I'm going to be a backup guitarist for them. And I've got the best job in the whole world lined up. I get to play in the water. You're going to be a lifeguard? You're going to be a beach toy tester? No, I'm going to be a Metropolitan Water Reclamation District Commissioner. I get to have an office at City Hall and everything. And so the complacents went their separate ways, but I was at the top of the charts until a couple of years later. This is it, Fred. This is the one we've waited a thousand years for. Well, I really haven't been around for a thousand years to wait for it. The first concert of the new millennium will be a Fred James worldwide broadcast. Are you nervous? Eh, not really. It's just another concert. And besides, it's not really the beginning of the new millennium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the new millennium doesn't really start until 2001, blah, blah, blah. Here, have some champagne. Uh, shouldn't we wait until midnight? You can't be drinking it at midnight. You've got to be out there on stage. Well, I'm not really much of a drinker. Just drink it. Let's see. To even bigger success in the new millennium. Oh, I'll drink to that. So do it. Uh, Mr. James, you're on in five minutes. <coughs> yeah, yeah. So, so what happened then? Well, I was serious when I said I wasn't much of a drinker. I was out there on top of a giant marquee in Times Square in the freezing rain with a million people there watching the ball drop, another three or four billion watching on TV, and I didn't know what kind of an effect alcohol had on my whistling. Five, four, three, two, one! And Happy New Year, Happy New Century, and Happy New Millennium. Now, live from Times Square to the World, welcoming in 2000 is Flaming Highway Records recording artist Whistling Fred James. Thank you, everyone, and Happy New Year.
far as I can tell, it was the champagne. I was never able to whistle again. That's terrible. Then what did you do? Well, I could have retired on the royalties that were still coming in on my original songs and the albums, but I went back to my old job as a maze artist. I did that until the last maze magazine went out of business about ten years ago. I heard something about a complacence reunion tour. Did that ever happen? Oh, it did, but there was only one stop on the tour. Uh, this would have been in early 2014, I think, because Fig was running for governor of New Jersey. It was the memorial service for Adrian Creamsicle. He told Gunner once they would really like it if the complacents would get back together and perform at his funeral. Uh, so Johnny wrote a new song. I don't care. I think the song is inappropriate for a funeral. But when was the complacent song ever appropriate for a funeral? It's rock and roll. It's supposed to be fun. And didn't Adrian tell you he wanted us to perform a complacent song? Not a hymn, not an opera. I guess so. Sorry I'm late. I had to go out there and shake everyone's hand. Fig, you can't campaign at a funeral. But there are so many Republicans here. Maybe they'll switch parties and vote for me. You're running as a Republican. I am? My handles don't tell me anything. Besides, how can you tell they're Republicans? Well, they're all wearing dark suits. And I guess we'll put you at the, the beginning of the service. Blindy, is that you? Yes, it's it's me. I know it's hard to tell behind this virtual reality helmet that's wired directly into my brain, allowing me to see. Well, that wasn't the problem. It was the clerical collar that was confusing me. Oh. Well, a couple of years ago, I got this virtual reality helmet, and it allowed me to figure out that I had been working for 20 years at the insurance agency that was occupying the former home of Creamsicle Studios. So I quit. And then I realized that my true calling wasn't lifting amplifiers into a van or, you know, moving equipment. It was lifting souls into heaven. Oh, I see. You all could follow me out into the church. Ladies and gentlemen, we're gathered here today to pay tribute to Adrian Creamsicle, a man who touched each of our lives in some way. One of Mr. Creamsicle's last wishes had to do with what he was most happy doing, and that was managing a rock and roll group. Mr. Creamsicle's best known group, the Complacents, broke up almost 30 years ago, but today they've come back together. Please rise and open your hymn books to, well, whatever they're about to sing. Hello, First Church of California. We are the Complacents. Johnny, not in a church. Well, they need to know who we are. And we're here to say goodbye to our manager, Adrian Creamsicle. Hit it! You know that Gary Powers, the YouTube pilot, was shot down in the ball?
And now let us pray. Well, <coughs> oh, but none of us really wanted to have a real reunion. Gunnar was too busy finding cures for things. Johnny was too busy, uh, I think by that time he was playing guitar for radio station jingles. Uh, Fig was running for governor, and I didn't really want to get back into the music business because I was too happy drawing mazes. So I guess you could say all the complacents lived uh, happily ever after. Well, I guess you could say that. What was that? Uh, just the clock radio. I always listen to the 5 o'clock news. And now it's the 5 o'clock news on All News K-double-O-K. America mourns tonight following the assassination of former President Fig Collins. Collins was short this shot this morning as he walked along the beach in front of his home in California, New Jersey. A manhunt is on for the assassin. Fig? Assassinated? I can't believe it. He is the most popular president ever. No one would have wanted to assassinate him. Oh, no one that is except, uh, me. Evil Otto? From Taekwondo? That's right. It's me. So where'd you get the reporter costume? What are you doing here? Both of those questions are equally easy to answer. The answer to the first one is the costume shop downtown. And the answer to the second is that after we broke up, I've been following the careers of the complacents, and I'm jealous. <laughs> we didn't live happily ever after, so I've been planning this day for years. The day in which all four of you would meet your dooms. So you killed Fig this morning? That's right. <clears throat> and then Johnny Angelo, and then Gunner, or excuse me, Terrence. And now you're the last one. Say goodnight, sweetheart. But just what are you hoping to prove with all this? That no matter what you do after your brain breaks up, whether you become <clears throat> president of the United States or win two Nobel Prizes, or just sit on your ass drawing mazes all day, it doesn't, it just doesn't matter. What matters is how good you were when you were a band. And Taekwondo was by far the better band. You're totally nuts. What do Ridley Coyley and... And what's his name think of this? Those senile old coots don't know this is going on. I want the recognition. Me! 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 Uh, uh, wait. Your shoelace is untied. Quit stalling and prepare to tie. I'm wearing self-tying shoes. No one can save you now. Mm-hmm. like I pulled you out of there just in time. You got grazed by the bullet, but you should be all right soon. Space Siren, what's going on here? I teleported you here from Earth just as you were being shot by Evil Otto. And this time, I teleported just you, not the entire planet. And I'm young again. And you're young again. So, how would you like to rule the universe by my side for all of eternity? Uh, but what about the Space Sar? He kicked the bucket. Uh, before I say yes to your offer, are there any maze magazines in the universe to which I could submit mazes? Well, since the universe is infinite, there are an infinite number of maze magazines. <gasps> and I can whistle again. Oh, quit being amazed and sit up here on the throne next to me. Oh, no, this is what I call living happily ever after.
The Complacence was written and performed by Carrie Bowser, Jim Elwanger, Lucas Hackett, Vince LeCant, Jeremy Morse, Aaron Odland, and Mike Sturgis. Additional regular performers were Stacey Shintani and Lenina Ulrey. Also appearing were Susan Berghart, Tim Hackett, Jason Kaifesh, Darian Lindell, Nate Vanek, and Susan Ute. The musical director was Mike Sturgis. The director was Jim Elwanger. All 26 episodes were broadcast live from the McCoy Foundation Studios of WNUR-FM at Northwestern University. This is Mr. Announcer speaking. in the present on the next episode of this podcast oh you're surprised that there's going to be a next episode it's true that was only the final episode of the original complacence radio series much of what you heard was merely the false memories of a demented maze designer and so should not be taken as canon yes there's still more complacence to come so until next time this has been the complacence podcast this is mr announcer speaking <laughs>